0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Maple Street Worship Center. Um, we're going to start worship right away, even though we're already late, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so welcome. We can, You can sing, dance, stand up, jump around, clap your hands. Clapping is always good, <laughs> especially with these songs today. Based on is I um, when I asked God what He wanted the theme sort of for, to base the songs off of for today, um, He said that or what I heard was that He wanted to show um, His church what freedom looked like as a Christian, a little taste of that. So lots of these songs are about freedom or jailbreaking cha- um, chains being broken off and God lifting you up. So yeah, Amen. Thank
1: Coming through the heart of hell, I'm going
0: day when I was spending time with Jesus, the song, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, um, just popped into my head and I started singing it. And I think why I did that was um, what I had been talking about with God um, ended up leading to the trust that we have in Jesus and how um, the way he leads us is way better than anybody else. And in completely trusting him, that's when we get to live our fullest life.
1: is so sweet to trust in Jesus,
0: just to take
1: him at his word, just to
2: Anybody here that um, is like that the father Jesus says, a you unbeliever and he's the, I believe help me in my unbelief and it's it's a trust thing that we just need to to trust Jesus anybody have trouble trusting Jesus in those those times anybody let's I just want to release that over this congregation just um, Holy Spirit we release you to minister Release that supernatural trust in you. Supernatural trust in you, Jesus. Lord, I know you build it with experience over time, but we want to release the seeds of trust now, and we want to break off any um, any history of of broken trust uh, with you, Lord. I pray that you open eyes and hearts to see where you were in those places right now, in Jesus' name. Because we know you say you're with us all the time. And I know that doesn't look like it sometimes. So Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see where you were. Could you sing the chorus again? You Just de- declare this over your own heart if you have trouble... If you have trouble trusting, just, just declare it.
1: Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved you are and are. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you How I've proved you more and more Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus Oh, for grace to trust you more Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus Jesus. oh, for-
3: we just declare our trust this day. We just declare our trust in you today. Lord, we just open up the heavens this morning and we say we trust you. We think about all those families in Humboldt, Saskatchewan. Father, we just lift them up today and we trust you to minister to each one of those in such a wonderful, strong way. Lord, we hear of people going out and visiting each home where there was a loss. Father, just give them the Holy Spirit in such a great measure that as they meet with people, you would pour out your comfort on all of those who need comforting. Lord, we just ask you to fill the losses that are there with yourself, God, that your grace would pour out on each family, each brother and sister, each grandparent, each one who is so connected to those young men. Father, we trust you in this. We trust you as the world has noticed this terrible happening and words have come in from all corners of the world Lord, we know that you alone have the strength for those people. You alone can pour in courage. You alone can pour in the comfort that they need. Lord, I just thank you that Jesus is the answer. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus, to trust in Jesus more and more. Father, as the days turn into weeks and turn into months ahead for these families, I just pray that your your presence would be so close with all of them. Father, we walk in love and forgiveness to whatever happened in that accident scene. Father, we just ask you to pour in your grace and your love. Your grace and your love your grace and your love, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We lift up our hearts with all people in church in Canada today who are praying for that situation. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we can trust you and we trust you today with all that is within us to minister in that place in such beauty, in such love, in such precious comfort. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Lord.
4: Very glad this morning oh, amen. for the amen. freedom that Christ has purchased yes. for each and every one of us yes, here today. God.
3: Yes, God. We are
4: free. Hallelujah! Free in Jesus. And Lord, Hallelujah. we praise you this morning and we love yes. you this morning. Yes. Free in Jesus. And because yes. you set us Jesus. free, you set us free for those yes, whom the yes, Son God. has set free, is free, free in indeed. indeed. We are free indeed. We're free Hallelujah. from the penalty and the consequences, yes, not the con. Well, yes, If we sin, yeah, there's consequences. But the ultimate consequence, no. Because there's a righteousness from Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a righteousness from Christ that we've been adorned with today. It's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, this morning for your love toward us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood. We thank you, God, for, for giving us the gift of faith that we need to put our trust, as we've been singing this morning, to trust in you. Oh, yes, to trust, trust in you, you Lord. We with we everything, and to you, give you everything. You. Because you are our all in all. Yes, God. Yes, God. Father, I pray this yes, morning that God. Yes, God. the words of this song that we are singing are, are going to be things, God, that, are, that they are realized in our lives. that They're not just words, but it's reality reality that our love for you Lord is genuine because your love for us is authentic and genuine praise his name Lord we just come knowing God your great love and your great mercy this morning once again we pray Lord for the families in Saskatchewan Lord over this tragic accident so far the uh, report is com- coming in now 15 lives have been lost and Lord it's it's just it's just shocking an entire nation and even in the states Lord it's, um, I believe other news other other networks are carrying this this, uh, this, this report Lord and, and, and God you know you know and we, we just pray Holy Spirit that you will be in the midst of the families the individuals that are right now these young people that are right now that are in the hospital recovering those who are recovering Lord and the families who are grieving loss we pray and we lift them up to you lord we pray that your grace and your comfort your mercy lord to be upon them father and we don't understand why we don't have always have the answers to to the why question but lord we know that you are there in the midst and so we pray that god of comfort and compassion that lord you'll be with them you'll be with them we lift them to your throne of grace asking for your mercy in this time of need. Pour out your grace liberally upon them, Lord Jesus. May they sense your presence. May they sense your love. May they realize the love of God's people in the area of God that are praying for them all across even across the nation. But Lord, even the acts of kindness and the the reaching out for those Lord Jesus who are Christians in the community as they reach out in tangible ways express their love and concern. And then, God, that you will use that, Lord Jesus. You will use that to bring glory to yourself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here this morning. Thank you for what you're doing here this morning amongst us. We worship you. Hallelujah. 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 If you love him this morning, can you shout amen?
3: Amen.
4: Oh, come on. Anything you can you do better than that? If you love him this morning, shout Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, worship team, so much for leading us this morning and uh, just a great time of celebrating the Lord's presence. If you're with us this morning and it's maybe your first time, you'll you'll probably note that we love to worship the Lord and we love to express our hearts and our affections toward Him. And and, uh, as we do that, we're just praying that the Holy Spirit would just continue to transform us into the people that He desires us to be. Uh, it's all about His plan. It's all about His will, it's, isn't it, this morning? It's all about His glory. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Kristen, you did a great job for leading us into uh, the Lord's presence. And because we, we know that uh, God inhabits the praises of His people, amen? And so we, we recognize how important it is to, to worship and praise the Lord. And um, some like to do it with quiet reflection, and that's fine, and others like to be a little more expressive and that's okay we 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 recognize that the that the body of christ is diverse amen it's diverse if it were all the same it would be dull and boring wouldn't it now um we all look the same did the same things but uh, god chose to make us different and for good reasons gives us different strengths and weaknesses and yeah we've even got weaknesses but god gives us different strengths and when we bring it all together it's, it's it can be a beautiful thing Amen. We're going to ask the, uh, actually we're going to get the children to come in a few moments, just going to cover a couple announcements this morning. Uh, if you, who, who received their bulletin today? They're, they're, uh, they're excellent. You'll notice on the front, in full color, signs and wonders coming up. Uh, the vibrant worship experience, sound of transformed generation from the family of orphans. Uh, and that's of course a Watoto Children's Choir from Uganda are going to be with us um, on Tuesday, May the 1st at 7 o'clock here at Maple Street Worship Center. I've uh, been doing our very best to get that out to the churches around the community and getting it down on 50th uh, Street and some of the businesses and very grateful for the businesses and establishments that have allowed us to uh, have a poster on display. And uh, some others who have caught wind of the, uh, of the, of the concert coming through are also looking so we're 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 expecting a, a full house that night, and or at least I am. We should expect that, right? Ex- have expectation, anticipate good things, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, also, uh, just to mention as well, of course, uh, on Tuesday night we're continuing with. Uh, our study on the circle maker, and it's really all about enc- just encouraging us to continue to, as Mark Batterson would say, just to keep circling the promises, just to keep circling the promises. How many believe that uh, that be- pa- a prayer is powerful because God is powerful, right? And when we uh, pray the Word of God, when we when we when we let God know, you know what it is that He's promised to us, and 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 we know that um, that He hears us, He answers, and and we just expect. Uh, that God will do great things. Sometimes He does things, uh, great things in unexpected ways, things we don't anticipate, the way it's going to happen, but we know that God that God is a God of miracles, God is a God of signs and wonders, and God is still doing things amazing today. So we, we anticipate those things. So Tuesday night, um, 6.30 p.m., The Circle Maker with Mark Batterson. Of course, also on um, the third, sun, third Sunday night, Heritage House at um, 6 30 p.m. and of course at the very end of the month is our birthday sunday as we celebrate with some cake and goodies and all that wonderful stuff and uh, so just kind of keep those things in prayer also keep our children in prayer as well and we're going to be dismissing them in just a few moments this time we're going to ask our ushers to come if they would and uh, we're going to receive our morning tithe and offering as we express our love to the Lord. How many are glad this morning that God is a God who ch- likes to bless us? He loves to bless us. He loves to care for us. And we have an opportunity to be able to bless the Lord back this morning. And I see a, a recruit here, a young, a young buck, carrying the offering plate. That's great. Let's, let's uh, pray together this morning. Let's say this together. As, as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven, open, earth invaded, Storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitation, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, as I join my value system to yours. You will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah and amen. God bless you as you give. Just to let you know this morning that when we are, are giving to, uh, through Maple Street Worship Center, that uh, not only does it come... And benefit the local assembly but we also have partner missionaries as well that are working as global workers that we support. We also support Vanguard College which is, of course is our training arm in Edmonton to uh, equip and educate and release young a young generation of spirit filled and innovative leaders uh, not only in the church not only in mission fields but also in the marketplace as well and so we're able to help Uh, equipping of the next generation and of course also our international office when it comes to other mission endeavors and of course our emergency relief and development uh, as well as we respond to crises around the world so when we give to the local church we we multiply that it it spreads out around the globe and so it's a it's a fantastic avenue to give and to be able to uh, see the kingdom expand and kingdom work be done we're going to ask the uh, children to come now we're going to Pray and bless them as they go to their children's church. It's great to see the kids. Amen. They bring life, don't they? They bring life. I guess I have to like kids. I got four of my own, so. I'm not sure if. One of them I was a little upset with last night. He said that when I was on the skidoo or the snowmobile, whichever you want to call it. Uh, that At one point, I look like Paul Blart, so I'm not really sure. I might have to get him back at some point. No, just joking. Not right, Ethan. Chelsea, would you ask the Lord to bless him on the kids? today?
0: Thank you, Father. As we go upstairs to Treehouse, that your spirit will come with us, and that you will teach us, and bless those that are left behind, too.
4: Those who are left behind. So I think what they're saying, what she's saying, is is that you guys are ready, are in store for tribulation. Is that what it is? <laughs> tribulation period. If you get your Bible this morning, would you turn into Nehemiah chapter six? Nehemiah chapter six, just for a few moments. Nehemiah six. We've been. Um, We' been spending some time in Nehemiah. We, we took a little bit of a break because of Good Friday and Easter and so on. but we've been spending a little time in Nehemiah. and for those of you that might not have been with us, we, we were discovering, going back a little bit to the beginning of the, of the book, that Nehemiah uh, the Lord had given him a real strong burden as a bad report came back from Jerusalem that the uh, walls were down, the gates were Burned with fire and, and everything was in disarray. And so the Lord had, had given Nehemiah a burden to. Uh, and not only did Nehemiah get a burden from the Lord and as he prayed through some of this stuff, but also we discovered that uh, God was very gracious and bestowed his favor upon Nehemiah to be able to get the resources that Nehemiah needed to go into Jerusalem to begin a great work there. And uh, we also discovered that when you put your hand to the plow, so to speak, to do the work of the Lord, that there is an enemy, and and, and we know that there is an enemy who is really not interested in you succeeding. Did you know that this morning? We have an an enemy that is not interested in in you succeeding. And uh, so we we discovered some of the opposition that came, and of course we're going to see a little more of that today. But uh, I want you to understand this morning that uh, the enemy doesn't like to let up. There is still an enemy at work right now wanting to thwart the purposes and the plans of God, wants to stop the work of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news of Jesus to spread around the world. There is an enemy that wants to work, and folks, I want you to understand that uh, he, he works in subtle ways. If he can't do it... Blatantly, you know, how many understand the devil doesn't come around with a neon sign, and flashing lights, and his pitchfork, if that's the image you have, glowing in the dark, and saying, you know, deception here, right? Deceiver here, enemy here. No, no, um, that's not the way that he works. And we're going to see that a little bit this morning as, we, um, as we're looking at the topic. Of surviving snares, surviving snares. Anybody know what like a snare is? You know, anybody, anybody ever used to have their dad or grandfather or whatever come back and they got some, they got some game in their hand. They've got some rabbits or something like that. Well, snares are traps, right? anybody, anybody ever see a bear trap? What a bear trap looks like. You wouldn't want to get your foot caught in one of them. We had a bunch of those. Uh, Christiane's father was a was a game warden back in Nova Scotia, and uh, of course he went hunting too, and, and so uh, he, he, when he passed away, uh, we had some of the stuff that was left behind, and, and some of the stuff that he had with some of these old bear traps, and I want you to let you know that you would not want your, your foot to get caught into a bear trap, it would not feel very good on your ankles or anything like that, but there's some snares that the enemy sets up for us today, And uh, I want you to know the enemy wants to stop. He wants everything to come to an end. He wants to destroy. We have an enemy that is not interested in going to Tim Hortons and having coffee and having a nice little friendly chat with you. There's an enemy that wants to destroy your life. How many of you understand that's true? And so we have to be careful of the types of traps or snares that the enemy puts up before us. And so, Lord, we come this morning and we pray that, God, that you would just begin to do, a, a, you just begin to continue to do a wonderful thing here. We ask, God, that your, uh, that your word would go forth with power. We pray, Lord, that our hearts and our ears of our spirit would be attentive. And that, Lord, we would be able to receive something into our hearts and lives, God, that would strengthen us and encourage us. It would help us, Lord, to go on for you to do what you've called us to do. Help us to be aware, Lord Jesus, of the enemy and his strategies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you go to ch- uh, chapter 6, verse 1, for a f- just a few seconds here. And uh, it says, And now when Sanballat, Tobiah, and, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of the enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, this is Nehemiah narrating here, and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors in the, in the gates that Sanballat and Gisham had sent to me, saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. I'm going to stop right there. Um, can I ask anybody here today, and you can lift your hand if you want to, has anybody ever, ever sensed that uh, you've been distracted? Anybody ever experienced distractions in your life? Moments of distraction? Well, some 14-year-old said to me yesterday that I look like Paul Blart, so I'm going to get him back. No. Talk about distractions. Our son, when he was really little, he had a crush on an older woman. and She was about 12. He was about like three or four. And... Uh, just can't quite remember the age he might have been four or five when she was visiting and I can't remember now if it was in Windsor or Sussex or just where it was but they were visiting I think it might have been in Sussex and by that time he had almost thought that was my phone I had to look for a moment and at one time when she was uh, visiting we'll just let you answer that One time when she was visiting, our our son had just really got going on his bicycle. And so he had his helmet on, and he was all excited of the fact that he could ride his bicycle really, really well. And so uh her name was Tanya. And she was, like I said, she was about twelve and she was blonde and she was cute and all that stuff. She's a really godly girl too. And here was uh, Ethan. Ethan on his bicycle, and he's riding across the lawn, and he's saying, hey, look, Tanya, look at me. And he's all happy, and he's riding and pedaling really hard, and all of a sudden, kaboom! Right into the tree. Distractions. Distractions. I think we're all familiar with distractions, right? Distractions can be... um, can be innocent. Sometimes distractions, really, they may not do a whole lot, but sometimes distractions are extremely dangerous. And uh, Webster, according to Webster's dictionary, a distraction, to be distracted means to draw the mind or attention to something else. A distraction can leave us bewildered and it can leave us confused. And it's interesting that in this story here, in this account, that the distraction was coming or trying to come through Nehemiah's enemies. And remember, they were the enemies of the Jews. They were the enemies of God here. And it came from Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. And remember, they were, as I said, they were enemies. They despised the Jews. They wanted the Jews to fail at rebuilding Jerusalem. And the reason why, again, and if you've been here before, you've probably heard me say it, That the reason why they wanted them to fail is because if they failed, it was a loss in God's column. It would embarrass their God. So God's reputation is very, very important in this situation right here. Because it was God. This is God's vision. This is not Nehemiah's vision. This is God's vision. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. This is God's will. And yet there's an enemy that's lurking behind the scenes, wanting nothing more to happen than for Jerusalem to remain unfinished. For the temple never to be reestablished and their relationship because this is the point I want you to see here it's all about reestablishing the nation's relationship with God And you'll see that as we move along in the the book you'll notice that they have a plot here Nehemiah states that the wall was almost complete there were no breaks left in the wall the only thing that was left to do the only thing left on the post-it note was that he had to finish hanging the gates. And so this time, you have the enemy coming in a little more subtle, a little more cunning. And this time it was to distract. It was to draw the mind. It was to draw their attention to something else. It was to bring Nehemiah out so he wouldn't make it across the finish line. And you'll notice what they said. Come, let us meet together let us meet together and I've said before that the enemy does not want us just to come and get together to have a little yarn at Tim Hortons you know what I'm saying by a yarn right that's what we say back home a yarn you know what I'm saying when I say a yarn I hope I'm not using terms that are just native to the east here because I know the wise men come from the east right I say that tongue in cheek. Come, let us meet together. Come, let us meet together. This is this isn't about discussing the weather. This is not just a simple little small talk thing. No, as I mentioned before, the enemy is interested in one thing. The enemy wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to ruin your reputation. He wants to he wants to kill the church as well. Because I want you to know, the church has a calling. He wants to lure us away from the safety of the sheep pen, so to speak. He wants to entice us with false promises and false hope. And I want you to know that the strategy has not been any different even from the very beginning back in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. You'll notice that the devil uses deceptive tactics. And because of deception... Because of the lure, because of the temptation, we lost our intimate communion with God. The ground became cursed. Pain and sorrow entered into the world. I remember John Hagee saying, he said, when I get to heaven, he said, I'm going to kick Adam right in the shins for half to make me work all the days of my life. But that's the, that's the way that it is. I want you to know there's an enemy Satan tried to destroy the work of God when he he used Potiphar's wife to try to seduce Joseph. Because how many understand that just like Nehemiah, Joseph was given a vision by God about the future and the future role that he would play. But how many understand the enemy does not want us to fulfill what God puts it in our hearts to do. And it doesn't matter what area of life that might be in. But we also know that when you go into the Gospels, that Satan shows up in the wilderness. You'll notice that Jesus is baptized. If you follow Luke's narrative in particular, Jesus, Jesus is anointed of the Spirit. But then in, in Luke chapter 4, he's, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he meets Satan. And Satan is there, and what is he trying to do? He is trying to get Jesus off of the track of his mission. And folks, that is exactly what he's trying to do to us today. He's trying to get, he's trying, in, that, in this account that we're reading now, he was, they were, the enemy was trying to get Nehemiah off of his focus. Get him distracted. Get him looking in the wrong direction. Get him totally off track. And of course, we know that Satan tried to entice Jesus to bow to him in the very end so he could draw his attention away from fulfilling God's plan and purpose. And I want you to know today that God has not only a purpose for your life, not only does God have a purpose for your family, but I want you to know that God has a purpose for this church, and he has a purpose for this community. And so, folks, we have to be cognizant of the fact that there is an enemy that does not want that plan to go forward, does not want the plan for the community to see its fruition, does not want to see the plan for the church come to its fulfillment. I want you to know that our God is a God about promise and fulfillment. When He makes a promise, when He has a plan, He wants to see it fulfilled. He wants to see it come to pass. And He wants to see the plan that He has for your life come to pass. And I want you to know that his plans are good. His plans are good. Why? Because he has a desire to give us a hope and to give us a future. It's a good plan. Folks, our God is still on the throne. Our God is still in control. It doesn't matter what the government says. It doesn't matter what the principals in the school or the school board say. We still, our God is still on the throne, and He still has a plan. And the question is to us: Is are we going to stay on track with the plan of God, or are we going to allow ourselves get distracted by the enemy? He's got a purpose for this church. But here's what Satan does. He'll come along and he'll whisper in your ear. He'll say, come. Come, let us meet together. Well, I remember when I was in high school. And I'm not sure exactly why I'm going to say to you this morning that I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit was working on my life ever since I was little. And, uh, but I had a, a, a person come over to me. I won't call him Sanball or Tobiah, but we might say he was kind of acting in that capacity. And he put his arm around me, and he said to me, he said, you know, Steve, he said, you should come up to Adrian's. Now, Adrian was the son of one of the wealthier men in the town. And the idea was it was graduation time. It was grad weekend And the idea was, hey, you should come up to Adrian's, up to the camp. Why? Because I know how you Williams' is really like to put away the beer, right? Come, let us meet together. Come, let us meet together, was the call. And the question was, was I going to listen to that, or was I going to go a different direction? And I want you to know, folks, that I was glad that I went into. I had a friend who went there. And I'm telling you, it took his life in a total different direction. A best friend who went to church with me, a best friend who went to youth group with me, a best friend who went to Sunday school with me, a best friend I played sports with, video games hung out with. I mean, we spent a lot of time together. And he had, I'm going to tell you, he had talent. He was smart. And if he had to put his hand in the hand of Jesus, I'm sure he would have went a long way. But guess what? He listened. He listened. He listened to the, to the enticement to come, let us meet together. And I want you to know this morning, his life took a turn for the worst. He said he lost count after pyramiding about 13 cans, passed out on the toilet, in the bathroom, had friends that actually had to dress him. It was embarrassing. Yet they said, oh man, you should have came to the party a long time ago because you were so funny. You were the life of the party. And it swelled his head and he thought he was somebody because he was listening to come let us meet together. Come let us meet together. I remember walking into town one night, had a heart-to-heart talk with that young guy. Did everything I could to try to get him back on the right track. He got on the wrong crowd, became a heavy drinker. Ended up getting a girl pregnant out of wedlock, getting married, going through a divorce. And I remember sitting in his house one time, and he was down, I mean, rock bottom. Rock bottom. Couldn't believe it. Because, folks, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take you away from what God has for you. He wants to take the church away from what God wants for the church. He wants to take your family and take it far away from God's plans for your family. This is serious stuff. This is, this is an enemy that wants to come in and kill and steal and destroy. Come let us meet together. Come let us meet together. But can I tell you this, can I, can I make a suggestion this morning that Nehemiah didn't listen to the distraction? He didn't didn't listen to it. Here's what Nehemiah did. He stayed focused. I want everybody to say this word. Say focused, focused. Can you say focused with me? He stayed focused. He focused because here's the deal. The deal was this. The deal was, Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down because I got better things to do. I got a project on the go. Amen? Why should I come down there when I got something more meaningful to do? So he was focused on the work. He would, folks, the devil wants you to get focused on the work that God has for you to do. And as I had mentioned to someone earlier, I said, no, sir, I'm not interested in looking behind. I don't want to look in the rearview mirror. I'm looking ahead. I want to keep focused on the highway. No distracted driving here, right? Because sometimes we can get caught looking in the rearview mirror. And we get caught looking at the things of the past that are trying to distract us and get us off focus of, of the work that God has called us to do. But Nehemiah didn't do that. He stayed focused on the work that was at hand. And because he would not compromise, because he would not take his eyes off of the prize, things went ahead. He stayed focused on the vision that God had given him to to complete no matter what the odds the odds were because folks there was a greater stake there was a greater vision there was a bigger picture and the picture here was the spiritual life of an entire nation the spiritual life of an entire nation was at stake You can see Paul had the same kind of attitude in Philippians 3 when he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Nehemiah said it this way. He said, why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Folks, I want you to know that there is an enemy who wants you to come into the valley of Ono. But when the enemy comes and he begins whispering in your ear, hey, young feller, just one little puff. It won't hurt you. You know what you tell that enemy? You tell that, you say, oh, no. You ain't going to get me without one. Amen? When you, listen, there's a lot of believers today and there's others who think that their ears are garbage cans. And so instead of, it, it becomes it becomes more share than prayer. Are you getting what I'm saying? It becomes more share than prayer. And the next thing you know, the sharing gets a little bit, uh, you know, it, it, it's not getting quite as edifying as what it was once was. The next thing you know, you're hearing stuff and it's gossip and it's slander and it's you're hearing things that are not really something that the Spirit of God would lay upon their heart. And you need to do, you need to stop them right there and say, listen, oh no. Oh no, I'm going to stop you right there. Oh no. God didn't put these on the sides of my head to be no garbage cans. My brain ain't no garbage can for spiritual junk. Did you catch that What I'm saying this morning? I'm preaching this morning. You just shut that right off and say, you got an issue with Brother or sister so and so, maybe you need to go talk to them. Matthew chapter 18. Hallelujah. Amen, right? You go do you go to them and you talk to, you my my ears are my heart is not a garbage can. Because folks, that's the way the enemy works. And when he tries to distract you and he tries to entice you with the with the things that you know are wrong, and we know it's wrong because what happens? You ever notice that when you know it's wrong, the old ticker starts ticking a little faster. And your your hands get a little little bit moist and sweaty. And you just know it ain't right. You just know it ain't of the Holy Spirit. And that's when you need to say to the devil who's whispering lies in your ears and he's trying to distract you. You need to say, oh no, you're not going to get me with that one. Are you catching what I'm saying this morning? He wants to bring you into the valley of oh no, but what you need to say is, devil, oh no. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two, intimidation. Look at verse six, and it was written and reported among the nations that Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you're rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king. Wow. And that you've also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a a king in Judah. Oh, so now we're going to really begin to fire the darts right at Nehemiah himself. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come, therefore, and let us consult together. There it is again. And then I said to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. These are lies. This is slander. This is gossip. What intent to bring the leadership down? Folks, I want you to see that that God had given this to Nehemiah, this burden and this vision and this passion to go there and to do this. But now they're taking the pop, now they're taking the shots directly at Nehemiah. Look what he says, for they were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Notice the similarities here between the strategies of Israel's enemy and that of Satan. Number one, just a sand ballot, Tobiah, and case were persistent, Satan is also persistent. As I mentioned before, he wants to sidetrack us, he wants to make us ineffective in the work for God. He will not just come once. He will come again and again and again and again and again. He will be persistent. And that is why we are to resist him. And the Bible says that if we resist him, he'll flee. Number two, just as Nehemiah's enemies use slander, Satan will use slander to to try to defeat you. And as I referred to earlier, there will, be, there will be things that will be planted in the hearts. Folks, I want you to if you've ever read the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, you'll know. Has pretty interesting insight into how the enemy works. Because if they can't, if the enemy can't destroy it from the outside, he'll try to get on the inside. He'll work it from the inside. He'll work it on the inside. He'll try to appeal to your flesh when it comes to your personal life. He'll try to use people within your family. He'll use people inside of the church to try to bring it down. He'll use slander. And the reason he uses slander is because he wants to intimidate. He wants to tear us down. He wants us to misplace our trust and our faith. He wants us actually to have our faith defeated so that it becomes Our hearts become ruled by fear. Fear. Notice what he said in verse 9, for they're trying to make us afraid. Folks, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to recognize that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And when the devil comes knocking, we need to keep reminding him that though he tried to intimidate us, we need to remind him of what his fate is. knows the end of the book we just need to remind him of the end of the book we need to keep reminding the enemy look look you, you might be around a for, but it's only going to be for a season because i know it's coming to you devil our god has prepared a lake of fire for you and the fallen angels you need to remind him. We, we, we need to turn the tables on him because this is what he does to, us. He, tries to use us. he tries to use fear. And I want you to know that fear can come through anxiety. Do you know that? that? The devil can whisper in your ear, you know, you prayed and you believed that God is going to take care of you and he's going to provide for you. But where is your God right now? And what does he try to do? He tries to allow anxiety and fear and uncertainty to come into our hearts and rule our hearts and rule our heads and our decisions. And to strip away the faith that we have in God. We've been singing this morning about trusting in Jesus. And how many understand that we need to trust Jesus in every moment of our lives. Every decision that needs to be, we, we need to trust him. And that's hard to do because we got our feet planted here, right? But we need to trust him. And the devil wants to put fear into our hearts. Because it's the opposite of faith. And fear and anxiety. That's why Paul says, look, don't worry about, don't worry about anything. Don't be, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. Why? Because an, uh, anxiousness or anxiety chokes the life out of us. Did you know that? It comes from an old English word. It means to choke. And that's what fear will do. Fear and anxiety will choke the life right out of you because no longer will you be operating in faith, but you'll be living by worry and anxiety. But we need to remind ourselves and the devil where he's going to spend his eternity. And there's some of us here today right now and, and, and you, feel, you feel you are afraid because you don't know who you are in the Lord. You feel like you, you don't know what to do next because you, you're, you're dealing with false guilt and condemnation. But I want you to know this morning that that is not who you are. You have a brand new identity in Jesus. You have been adopted, you've been chosen, you've been set free as we've been singing this morning. You have been set free as whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And you need to recognize you're no longer under condemnation. You're no longer under condemnation. You have the righteousness of, of Jesus Christ all over you now. And you see, he understands that. He understands the enemy knows that we have a new standing with God. He knows that we are declared as children of the king. And if we are children of the king, then we are a a kingdom of kings and priests and heirs of a kingdom and joint heirs with Christ. And folks, we need to take our authority and we need to walk in that authority and we need to live as though the father who is the king and that we are his children that makes us princes and Princesses, I would say. What do you think about that? We need to get that into our spirit. Intimidation. Intimidation. Verse nine, for they're trying to make us afraid. What is intimidate? what is what is the point here of persistence? Of the persistence and the slander is to intimidate. It means to frighten, discourage, silence by threats. It is all about trying to weaken. To weaken Nehemiah in this instance but I want you to know that that's exactly what the devil is trying to do to us but folks he hasn't called us into a passive kingdom today folks we know that the word tells us we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son that we are victorious in him and it's time that we recognize just like listen Nehemiah didn't quit the fight remember a few Sundays ago we talked about a stone in one hand and a sword in the other. But folks, the fight was not over because the enemy still keeps coming. And if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, we got to continue the fight. It means we need to stop getting distracted with the media, folks. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm just being totally honest. That there are so many distractions, so many things that take away our time. And I'm, and this isn't, this isn't. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to condemn anyone or to make anyone feel guilty but you you know that there's so many things that, that, that takes away our time television work and work can be good but you can it can become an idol right our cell phones email text messaging Instagram Facebook surfing I mean, your phones have so many things attached to it. I mean, yes, you can actually get important documents on your phone. People use their, their cell phones to stay in contact if they're in business or they're employed or whatever. with their phone. Your, your phone is like a hub of activity. But how many understand that there's so many people today that are spending gobs of time when it comes to media and technology? And there's believers that are struggling when it comes to their prayer life. It's struggling when it comes to the time spent in the word. And folks, I want you to know it's like the frog in the kettle, right? The enemy will, the enemy will allow us to use those things to distract us, to keep us from advancing the kingdom. So, oh Lord, oh God, strengthen our hands, strengthen our hands. We have a greater calling. Nehemiah recognized that we have a high calling, and that's to put on the armor and go. Look at verse ten. Third thing, deception. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah the son of Delaliah, if I'm getting it right, the son. Of me, Hatabel, who was a secret informer, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there such that I should go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Verse 12, it says, Then I perceived that the Lord had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. False prophets. For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act the, that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. How many know this morning that there are still false prophets out there today. The key thing here is deception. Don't miss it. And this is what we're finding here in that text. There's a false prophet, pretends to have Nehemiah's best interest in mind, his safety in mind, says that there is a, a, a plot, he wants to reveal a plot against the governor's life. And the temple was the only place he could be safe. And he was asking him to do a cowardly thing. And then it says, Nehemiah said, And then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. How does he perceive these things? I want you to understand this morning that the Spirit of God still speaks. The Spirit of God still speaks. And the way that we, the way that we avoid deception is that we have a vital connection with heaven. How important it is that we constantly are in prayer. That we constantly have that and cultivate that relationship. Nehemiah. Then I perceive that God had not sent him at all. So what does Nehemiah possess? He possesses spiritual perception. And that perception and discernment not only saved him, but it was that out of that life, that kind of life, that he was leading the people. Yes, we have the Bible. The Bible depicts the evil one as a roaring lion, but he also depicts him as masquerading as an angel of light. Don't miss that part either. Masquerading as an angel of light. Paul Peter, excuse me, said, "He warned us." When speaking of the devil as a roaring lion, he said to be sober and to be vigilant. And sober means to be calm and collected in spirit. In other words, when we're dealing with our adversary, We must be watchful, we must give strict attention, we must be cautious. Why? Because he's a counterfeiter. He's a counterfeiter. Nehemiah was almost deceived. He was almost deceived. And how many understand that one of the greatest things we need today is discernment? Discernment. Because everything that glitters isn't gold. Did you know that? Every person who says that they come in the name of the Lord is not always true. All you need to do is turn on your television. And folks, there are Christian programs and there are Christian books and there are Christian tapes and there's all sorts of things that's labeled Christian but if we possess spiritual discernment and if we know the word of God well enough because it's like looking at what do they say in the FBI they said that we don't study we don't study fake money to be able to detect the counterfeit what do they study They study the real deal Amen They study the real money And by studying the real money, then they can see the counterfeit. They they can see the fraud coming a mile away. And see, this is one of the problems today in the church is that we are lacking in spiritual discernment. Because sometimes we'll get 90% of the truth, but we don't detect 10% of the lies. And the 90%, it tastes good. It looks good. It sounds right. And it might even come from a person that we feel we trust or has a good reputation. I remember one time in, in Sussex in a Bible study, I gave people statements, no names attached. What do you think of the statements? They read the statements and they didn't agree with the statements and then I revealed who they said to them and they couldn't believe who it was that their names were attached to because sometimes we trust the name more than, than we even detect what they're saying and here was Nehemiah when it came to spiritual discernment i want you to see that can you can you see where this is a tsn turning point of the game because he discerned spiritually sparing him not only his life but a, i mean it continues on with the with the plan that god had for the nation We have to be careful today. We have to be careful today. I I remember one time reading in Spirit Filled Woman magazine online. I believe it was. Spirit Filled Woman magazine. And they were talking about Christian yoga. I don't know how you feel about yoga. Some people, well, we're just stretching or whatever, but I want you to know that if you look at it closely, it's a way of salvation. It's a way of salvation. It's a way to attain unity with, with the world soul. We need, spiritual, decept- we need or not spiritual deception. We need spiritual discernment. Christians who were in the Masonic Lodge, they believed it was compatible with their faith. And yet when you read the Constitution and the ritual books, you, dis- you determine that it's not compatible with the Christian faith whatsoever. You realize that it's as far as the East is from the West when it comes to Christianity. And yet there were people who believed that you could be a Christian, that you could be a Mason. And today, and even in Christianity, we have New Age, the New Age movement, we have pluralism in our nation. We have to be careful. It is not listen, Christianity is not the dominant. Worldview anymore in our country. We are in a country and it's a pluralistic society where everything is, according to our government, everything is equal. There's no preference given to one anymore. In fact, I would argue and say that Christianity actually is now targeted. We're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to what life looked like prior to Constantine, before it became the state religion of Rome. We're getting closer and closer and closer with every year that passes, moving toward Christianity, I believe, being outlawed. When you say that the Bible is hate literature, you're getting closer. You're getting closer. And so it's going to become more increasingly, more important that we have spiritual discernment moving ahead. Because there's people out there, they want spirituality, but they don't necessarily want Christianity. Amen? And we have to be on guard for that. We have to be able to have the perception to distinguish falsehood from truth. Falsehood from truth. And I could speak more to that, but I won't. But if you go to Ephesians 6, and I want to close with this part right here, I want us to read this together as you get your Bible open. Ephesians 6 tells us, Because this is Paul talking about spiritual warfare. Because this is what Nehemiah was facing, was warfare. Paul says to the Ephesians, he says in chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. These are the strategies of the devil Preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may be able to open my mouth and boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. For much I'm an ambassador and in change that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I want you to know this morning we are all ambassadors of the gospel. But we have an enemy of the gospel. And the children, if the children want to come down now, they can. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Somebody can round up the little kids. If we could stand this morning, I want to ask a few questions. Last text I want to read to you, 2 Corinthians ten thirteen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I want to ask the question this morning. Who here today would say... That the enemy has been at work in my, even my own personal life and he's been brought distractions my way and I, need to, and I need to deal with those distractions. It's okay. This is family this morning. It's okay to be honest. Amen? How many would say, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been wrestling with distractions. I see some hands going up. Thank you. How many would say, there's been times when I've been believing the lies the enemy has been deceiving me and I don't want to be deceived anymore. How many would say that the enemy has used intimidation tactics on me? He's brought fear my way. He sucked the faith out of me. I think we all can say, say these things at one point or another. Well, folks, I believe there are strongholds this morning that need, need to be pulled down. Strongholds of intimidation, strongholds of fear, strongholds of deception. And as the worship team leads, folks, I want you to realize that the God, listen, God is doing some pretty cool things here, but there's still an enemy that wants to see it come down. Did you know that? There's still an enemy at work. You, you might not be seeing the enemy waltz right into this to this sanctuary right now and draw a sword. No, the enemy will work more subtly than that. They'll use distraction, intimidation, fear, deception. We have to be careful to guard our hearts against it. Did you know that? We have to guard our hearts against it. Think about it for a moment. What did the enemies of Nehemiah and the Jews do? They sent word. Did you catch that? They sent word. Come. Extended an invitation by messenger. Come. Use words. You know, each time they were using words, what do words do? They come into our ears. They go into our minds. And that's where the battle takes place. And then the question is, is it going to be something that gets lodged within our hearts and something that begins to take root and something that we begin to act upon and we believe? Conversely, that's why we have the Word of God. We have the written Word of God. We also have that relationship with the Spirit where God can speak to our hearts. And he, what does he speak to our hearts? He speaks words. And so this is a battle of words. Did you know that? And the battle is for your heart. It's for your heart. It's for your soul. It's for the heart and soul of your family. It's for the heart and soul of the church. It's for the heart and soul of this community. And so no wonder Paul said that we need to be equipped with the full armor of God. We need to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? are Are you getting what I'm preaching this morning? If you've been here this morning and this message has spoke to you, if this has spoke to your heart, you sense the Spirit is speaking to you and you know the enemy has come at you and come at you through deception, lies, intimidation, and fear, enticing you it's time that we once again because he doesn't quit that we begin to take our stand we take our stand this morning and if that's you and and any one of those things has has hit your heart at all and you put your hand up we're just going to take a few moments to gather together and to pray one for another that God would begin to strengthen. God would begin to give us discernment. God would, would begin to displace the fear in our hearts and pour in greater trust and a, a greater measure of faith To continue to believe that what God has begun, He will complete. The work that He started, He's going to see it through because He's a God of promise and fulfillment. Amen? Now if that's you this morning, this altar's open. We just want to take a few moments and we just want to pray one for another and strengthen. Because how I many know that's part of what we do in church too, right? We comfort, we strengthen, we edify. And sometimes what I think is so cool is that somebody can come up to you and, and and the Spirit of God can give them exactly what's going on in your life right at that moment. You're like, whoa. I didn't tell them that. Did they were they listening on to a conversation that I had with so-and-so? No. Nope. But I'll tell you who was. The Holy Spirit was listening in. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your workplace. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows it all. And so sometimes he'll drop a little word into someone and someone will come over to you and they'll begin to minister to you. And it's exactly what you need in the moment to strengthen you, to encourage you and to give you comfort. How many believe this morning that the gifts of the Holy Spirit still work today? gifts of the spirit they still work and it's about strengthening it you know what Nehemiah said Nehemiah prayed he said Lord strengthen my hands strengthen my hands can I say this altar time is about saying Lord strengthen our hands strengthen our hands hallelujah amen so you're welcome to come this is about strengthening hands this morning hallelujah hallelujah I Acho...
1: i hey.
2: thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for grace. Again, Lord, we ask for your grace to trust you more. It's a supernatural gift of your grace to trust you more, to walk with you. The grace and strength to say oh no to the enemy. And Father, I thank you for this body, for this this, our local church. These are living stones. We make this up together, that we recreate you, Jesus. We are your body. We proclaim that. So, Lord, I pray uh, for a a grace again this week to build your church through this week, that you'd uh, just be stirring us up, to be speaking to our neighbors, to be... Um, encouraging each other, meeting together in houses, just like the early church did.
3: Yes, God.
2: Yes, God. Thank you so much for this family, for my family.
3: Well, strengthen us, Lord. Strengthen
2: us. In Jesus' name. So you can be dismissed. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.